Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. This series is entitled Unleashed, and the idea behind this is that we want everyone here at Mountain View Fellowship to be exercising their spiritual gifts. And as we found out last week, Pastor Tim did an excellent job on the introduction to this series. If you didn't hear that, you need to go back and listen to that, because that will set the tone for the entire series. But we want everyone here to to kind of lean into the Spirit, to find out what their spiritual gifts are, and to start practicing those within the body. Because I want you to imagine what it would be like if everybody here at Mountain View Fellowship was actually serving in the areas where their gifts um, were, were being utilized within the body. As we talked about last week, these gifts are not for you, they're for the, the entire body. It's for the entire church, and that's what strengthens us and makes us better. Uh, this series is not about attendance. It's about activation. And so what I want to do today is I'm going to jump into a, a set of gifts and try to explain those best I can. Uh, a guy by the name of Bobby Clinton years ago broke the spiritual gifts into three categories, power gifts, love gifts, and work give, uh, word gifts. And I just want to give you some definitions. Uh, these are also in the back of your book, so if you want to refer back to those later, you can. Power gifts demonstrate the reality of the unseen God. Uh, They demonstrate the power, the presence, and the reality of this God that we serve. Love gifts, on the other hand, demonstrate the beauty of that unseen God's work in our lives in such a way to attract others to want the same kind of relationship. So when we are experiencing, um, exercising these love gifts, it is attractive to the world around us, even to the unbelieving world as to who Jesus is. It manifests his love in a very practical way. And then, of course, these word gifts help us understand about this God, including his nature, his purposes, and how we can relate to him and be part of his purposes. It clarifies his nature, um, the action and purposes of God. It also tells us who God is, what he likes, what he doesn't. That's uh, how the word gifts all work. And those are the ones that I'm going to focus on this morning. I was trying to figure out how I could describe spiritual gifts because uh, after last Sunday, I realized we have a whole group of people here who have never heard anything about spiritual gifts. We, we don't know what they are. And, and so I want to describe them. And the best way I can illustrate uh, our gifts, spiritual gifts within the body, is um, through ice cream. I love ice cream. I don't know about you, but if you take a look at ice cream, it comes in so many different flavors, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, banana, mint and chocolate chip, chocolate chip, uh, cookie dough, uh, cookies and cream, anybody? Uh, Rocky Road, coffee, salted caramel, butterscotch, strawberry cheesecake, and then they have things like uh, Neapolitan, which is like mixing three of them together, or uh, pecan pralines and cream, uh, pistachio almond, and then of course uh, the greatest ice cream in the world, bluebell ice cream, comes out with seasonal things like uh, uh, strawberry lemonade, oatmeal cream pie, and my wife's favorite is bride's cake. It's got pieces of cake in it. Uh, So real quick, here's what I want you to do. Just look, uh, look around at the people right around you and and tell every one of them what your favorite ice cream is right now. Go for it. Go for it. What's your favorite ice cream? Let them know. Ask them what theirs is. What's your favorite ice cream? 
All right, so with that being said, uh, I didn't tell you what my favorite is, and so I just want to share it with you real quick. And, and by the way, my favorite is also God's favorite. Uh, it's butter pecan. You just can't beat butter pecan. So, uh, so uh, the reason I bring this up is because so often when we take a look at these, you, you look at some of these different flavors of ice cream, and there's so many different flavors, and some of them even include flavors that you wouldn't think belong together, like jalapeno chocolate, right? And yet it's so amazing when you stick it in your mouth, you're like, oh yeah, I need more of this, right? Uh, That's the way it is with the gifts, because as we found out last week, God determines which gifts you get. And sometimes you'll get a combination, and one might be a power gift, and one might be a love gift, or a love gift, and a word gift, or whatever. So you'll get a mix of them. That's not up to us. That's up to God. The other thing I want to point out to you is that it doesn't matter what ice cream you liked, what flavor that you just told your neighbor that you liked, it's still ice cream. It's all ice cream. And when it comes to the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts, but it's the Holy Spirit that is in charge. He's the one that's driving all of this. And I'll just tell you this. uh, The other thing I've learned about ice cream is the best ice cream shops are not the ice cream shops that sell horrible tasting ice cream with one flavor, right? You know what I'm talking about. If you're choosing an ice cream shop, you're going to choose the one that serves premium ice cream and has a large variety of flavors. And let me just tell you, Um, that's where we need to be as a church. We need to be leaning to the Holy Spirit, and and that's some of the problem. That's why we're doing this series. Because I think for the large part, a lot of churches, especially Western churches, we're not working on our quality at all. What's the quality? Well, it's our character. Uh, What's the most important thing in our character? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love, right? We're not working on our, our quality, our, our character. We need to work on that. But we also need to be practicing variety as well. Uh, see, most churches, we, we don't teach all the gifts. Uh, here in our, in our uh, assessment, I think you're going to find that there's like 19, 20, 21 of them that you're going to run across. But see, I think many churches, some churches, they only allow or they teach on just a select few. And we're not going to do that. We're going to teach all of them. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in and through us. Now, those are the three uh, categories of the gifts, and we're going to focus on word gifts today. But there's one other thing that I've learned over the years that I think is critical that I want to teach you today. But not only do you have them broken into these different um, categories, but I think it's also interesting to ask yourself when, it, when you start to discover your gifts, is this, get this, is this a community-oriented gift Or is it a person-oriented gift? Because we tend to lean one way or the other. Now, some of the gifts are community-oriented. Some of them are person-oriented. And then there's some that can cross over a little bit. Large group, small group, you know, it doesn't matter. And let me tell you why this is important. Because, uh, well, well, if you're going to figure out, are you uh, person-oriented or community-oriented... All you have to do is listen to the parable of the lost sheep by Jesus and figure out what your response is. I always find this fascinating because Jesus tells this amazing parable about this shepherd has a hundred sheep and one goes astray and he leaves the 99 to go get the one. And for a lot of us in this room, our response is this, that's ridiculous. Like why would you leave the 99 to go get the one? Forget the one, let that sucker die. We got 99 to take care of, right? And then there's some of you that are more person oriented and you're like, oh, we got to find that lost sheep we got to figure out what his name is and why did he wander away in the first place, right? And, and that's the difference between community-oriented and person-oriented. And, and um, let me just say it this way. The reason we need to discover our spiritual gifts is because we all have a role to play within the body of Christ. And can I just say this, and don't take this wrong, there are some people who are 
com- uh, community-oriented that we need to put in particular positions, and we have some people who are person-oriented that we need to put in particular positions, and we don't want to get those mixed up because it will cause problems. Uh, some of you are person-oriented, and you shouldn't be in a certain leadership position because you will sacrifice the movement because Robbie is having a bad day or because Sarah is in depression, right? And now that, that's not a bad thing. Listen to me. Listen, don't take this wrong. That's not a bad thing. It just means we need to be very, um, we need to be building on the gifts and where you serve in the church because it has a big impact on the overall church. That's why Paul said, he made it very clear in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Now check this out. He says, here's some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First, the apostles. Second, are prophets. Third, are teachers. And then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. He goes on in this list, but I want you to notice that Paul starts with community-oriented gifts, not person-oriented gifts. Not because they're better, right? Please hear me. They're not better. That's not what I'm saying. He does that because he wants to talk about leadership. He wants to talk about establishing a movement. He wants to talk about building the early church. Now, one is not more valuable than the other. Have I said that enough times? Are you, are you with me? Because I, I want to make sure that you understand this. It it's, has nothing to do with value. It has everything to do, do with the role and the responsibilities of each person within the body of Christ. Some of these gifts are more person-centric and some are more group-centric. So with all of that as our foundation, um, it's going to feel like we're drinking from a water hose today, uh, uh, a fire hydrant really, because I'm just going to give you a ton of information on five gifts today. And we're going to go as fast as we can go through this because I think as we hit the gifts where you are gifted, light bulbs are going to go off. You're going to go, yeah, I think that's me. Yeah, I think that's where the Holy Spirit's leading me. And so I just want to jump into this today. The first one I want to start with is the one I'm not going to spend any time on, which is the gift of apostleship. Now, you might think, well, I know what that is because you read in Scripture, there's these 12 guys that walk with Jesus. They're the apostles, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. They're called apostles. But that is not the gift of apostleship. The reason I'm not spending any time on this is because the gift of apostleship and the apostles are two different things. They're not the same thing. But if you have the gift of apostleship, let me just say it this way, we would already know it. Because you would be the person in the office driving me crazy about reaching those lost people in wherever. You would be on a plane going to Taiwan to work in the mission field. You would be the one that, that's going, coming to me and going, look, there's people in Lyman that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm going to go. I'm going to go. That's the gift of apostleship. It's all about church, uh, church planning and reaching the lost for Christ. And if you have that, you know it. Now, let me just say this. If you have it, come talk to me because I don't know you have it. Otherwise, I would have talked to you already because we've got things going on in the church where we need you. So moving on, let's talk about the gift, uh, the word gift of teaching. Teaching is, is all about clarifying God's truth. It's Bible-centered. It's all on the scriptures. This gift is actually found in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. I like the way it's spelled out in Ephesians chapter 4. It says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to get this. Responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, teaching is this uh, ability. Let me give you this definition. It's the ability to instruct, to explain, to expose biblical truth in such a way as to cause believers to understand the biblical truth. 
It's this supernatural ability to be able to explain Scripture where people can understand it, to apply the Scriptures, uh, get them to learn how to apply it to their lives. Now, many of you might have the ability to teach, like you're a teacher at this local school. Maybe you teach at work, you lead safety teachings or whatever it is. You have this natural ability to get up and teach in front of people or you're a great communicator. Let me just say, the spiritual gift of teaching is different than that. That's not the same thing. The spiritual gift of teaching not only communicates the biblical truth, but it leads people to a place where they want to apply it to their lives. They want to be obedient to it. Uh, The spiritual gift of teaching supports the lordship of Jesus. It teaches a biblical worldview. It deals with the heart motive behind how they follow Jesus. It's, It's this vehicle in which brings spiritual life to the people that listen to it. Now, simplified, if I was going to simplify this entire definition, this is the way I would say it. Teaching is when the living word, talking about Jesus, uses the written word, talking about the Bible, via the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to bring the will of the Heavenly Father, God, into someone's life. Now, that doesn't happen when you're sitting in physics class. That doesn't happen from somebody teaching you how to do math. There's a big difference in the spiritual gift of teaching. Continuing in Ephesians 4, we're told what the results should be. 13 says, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, look at this, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. See, teachers don't proclaim as much as they impact. Uh, We have some examples in Scripture. Let me just give you one. Think about Peter on the day of Pentecost. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes out and he preaches one of the best messages ever delivered on the face of the earth. And it literally says in Scripture that they were pierced to the heart. That's the spiritual gift of teaching. Teaching in the local body is like a rudder on a ship. It directs the body. This is why it's one of the first gifts that's listed in the early Acts church. Acts 2 chapter 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles what? To the apostles what? Thank you. To the apostles teaching. Why? Because it's critical. Because good teaching is required so that we don't crash. So that we don't don't get off course. Now, you might think that you have the gift of teaching, the spiritual gift of teaching. So let me give you a few signs. If you have these signs show up in your life, you might have the the gift of uh, spiritual gift of teaching. Not only will others affirm this in you and say, you know what, the way you teach scripture, I also understand it. But you'll see people's lives changed because of your teaching. Like they were literally changed their life because of, of God using you to teach the Word of God. Um, I've also found that a lot of people that have this gift are also enthusiastic learners. Like they are hungry. They want to know biblical truth. Uh, another sign might be that you seek to be discipled by somebody who has this gift as well. Good teachers want to be discipled by other good teachers. They seek out other good teachers to learn from or they listen to them or uh, they listen to podcasts or other messages every week. Um, If you have this gift, it will drive you crazy when somebody else misuses Scripture. Like, you understand what the truth is, and when they take it out of context, you, like, like lose your mind over it. Like, that's not what that says, right? Uh, If you have this gift, when you're teaching, the Holy Spirit will be using the teaching to convict and to encourage and to deliver messages that maybe you didn't even say. 
And how does that play out? Well, after you're done, somebody will walk up to you and say, you know, that was amazing. Here's what I got out of it. And you're like, that's not really what I taught at all, right? Because the Holy Spirit was taking what you were teaching and they were applying it to them on their own personal level. Now, every one of these gifts, they have cautions or they have problems that we run into, snags. And I want to share those with you. This one is a big one. This is the gift of teaching. And let me just tell you, this one has, it's the only one, listen, that has a warning to it. This is how important this is. Uh, the, The brother of Jesus, James, wrote this in his book. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. Listen, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Can I just share with you, um, Pastor Tim told you last week, he put all the little bobbleheads up and he showed you that all four of your pastors have the spiritual gift of teaching. This is the reason why I, I rejected ministry for two years. We fought with the Lord. I was like, I don't want it. I don't want to go into ministry. Nope, it's not for me. I'm not doing that because I know what James 3, 1 says and I don't want that responsibility. And it took us two years before we finally said, fine, if this is what you want. But God, you got to go before us because I don't want to screw this thing up because you're judged twice as harshly because of it. Why? Because you're the rudder, because it forms worldview, because it's your job to present truth to the people who need it. Now, before we move on, I just want to tell you that teaching is different than prophecy. Many times people get those two things mixed up. Let me just give you a quick definition. Teaching is a clear message that you get from observation, interpretation, and application of the Scripture. So as you grow, you're learning and you're teaching that to the people around you. Prophecy is a report of a clear message that God suddenly brings to your mind and heart. And so that's a message from God that's completely different. Uh, The one out of the spiritual gift of teaching is done through scriptural learning, teaching, uh, growing in the word. So let me ask you, do you have the spiritual gift of teaching? If you do, we need you. Let me tell you why. Because we have a ton of people in this room who are brand new in their faith. And they need disciples. They need people teaching them. They need people instructing them to help them stay on course. Uh, let's, let's go to the spiritual gift of exhortation. Exhortation is another big word. If you, it's easier to remember. Just call it encouragement because that's what it is. Uh, Romans 12, 8 says if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. This gift focuses on applying biblical truth to help others out in in living their faith out in practical ways. These people are these spiritual motivators among us. Like they motivate us, they charge us up, they get us going. Uh, A definition that I found for um, this, this gift is edifying believers by applying biblical truth and reminding others of the powerful and amazing work of God through Jesus. Now it's this capacity to urge people to action in terms of biblical truth to encourage people generally with biblical truths, to, to um, comfort people through the application of biblical truths to their needs, being able to come alongside them and share with them scripture and stuff that helps them through whatever they're going through. These are those encouragers within, within the body. They come alongside of us when we're discouraged. They, they pick us up when we're worried. They, they give us hope when we're losing hope. They build us up by drawing us back to biblical truth. Now, you might not think that you're an exhorter or an encourager, but let me tell you, this gift plays out in two different ways. There's two major ways this gift is exercised, and maybe this will help you to identify whether this is you or not. The first one might surprise you. It's correction. These people actually rebuke gently. They correct with love uh, because you don't whip sheep, right? You have to reach out with a curved staff and you have to gently bring them back into the fold. Exhorters correct in love and in grace. I actually heard it said one time that these are the people that tell you where to go in Jesus' name. How do you like that? 
They just tell you where to go in Jesus' name, and you're okay with it. Like, you'll receive it. Why? Because they do it in love. They correct you. They walk with you. Um, they, when, you when, you're in, when you're corrected by them, many times you'll walk away and you'll think, I feel like I got a fat lip. Like, I just got punched in the face, right? And yet, I feel pretty comfortable about it. Like, I, I'm, I feel good about it. Uh, these are the people that we call velvet hammers, right? They can, they can tell you you're an idiot. Stop living that way. Get your life straight. And you're like, yes, oh, you're right. You're right. Because the way they do it, the way they present it, it's all out of love. Uh, the second major way that this gift is exercised is by, obviously, encouragement. Um, by building people up, by pulling them along, by pushing them towards Jesus. They, they are the ones that write these cards to you that are so encouraging. You get and you're like, man, that was really nice. That really helped. Even if you don't have this gift, you're like, man, this is amazing. I needed this right now. They're the ones that send you emails and texts out of the blue that just say, hey, I'm praying for you. I was thinking about you today and I'm praying for you. Uh, if, you, or if you're doing that, you might have this gift. This is someone who cares about people on a very, very individual level. They'll sit and they'll listen to your problem and then they'll point you in the way that you should go. And get this, many times they won't even say like, Scripture says this or whatever. They'll just say, hey, have you thought about this? Maybe this is the way you ought to go. Maybe you ought to look at it from this standpoint. But it all has a biblical basis to it. They have a foundation in which they're giving you all this advice. Now, an example out of Scripture is Barnabas. He's the easy one because in Acts chapter 4, he's actually called the son of encouragement. But what I want you to know is this gift is so critical. Just by looking at Barnabas' life, you can get that picture that you, if you have this gift, we need you in this body. We need you exercising this gift. Because Barnabas was the one who actually took Paul and introduced him to all the disciples when everybody else was afraid of him. And he is actually the one who um, supported Paul, even though everybody else was saying, nope. That dude was killing us just a minute ago. I don't believe his conversion is real. But after his conversion, Barnabas is like, nope, this is, this is our man. God has selected him. Barnabas was also the first one to accept non-Jews into the church. Now get this. If it wasn't for Barnabas using his gift of encouragement, do you realize that we would be missing half of the New Testament? Think about it this way. By advocating for John Mark, we have the Gospel of Mark. By encouraging Paul, Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And it's interesting to me that Barnabas never wrote a book that ended up in the Bible. But yet, if it wasn't for him, we'd be missing half of our New Testament. Can you see the power of this gift? Um, Leslie Flynn said this. He said, the gift of exhortation involves the supernatural ability to come alongside to help, to strengthen the weak, reassure the wavering, butters the buffered, steady the faltering, console the, trou- console the troubled, and encourage the halting. I love that. Um, Now, if you have this gift, there are a few signs that might pop up in your life. First one is that people will act strongly against you or for you when you're encouraging them. And if that's you, like you have this gift and you notice that some people reject you, don't take offense to that, okay? Because it's all dependent upon their state of their own salvation, the state of their own soul. They might, you might be, um, you might be an example of something they don't have and they're rejecting that. Not so much your encouragement. So just be aware of that. Um, you demonstrate this unusual understanding of people's situations and you know how to give advice based on scripture. Um, you might have this gift if people seek you out because they know that you're going to listen to them and that you'll always have something encouraging to say. You might have this gift if people are drawn to you because you cheer them up by attitude and demeanor and word. Um, you love to share scripture that means a lot to you. It's encouraged you, it's helped you, and so you think it's going to encourage and help somebody else. Um, You're constantly sharing what God has done in your life, and the reason you do that is because 
you think that that will help encourage them in whatever they're going through in their life. If that's you, if you do those things, you might have this gift. Now, this gift of exhortation gets mixed up with mercy a lot, and those two things are completely separate. Let me just say it this way. Mercy is presence. It's, it's being present. Exhortation or encouragement are words that bring life. You're encouraging through your words. Now, this gift also has a caution, though. See, encouragers many times, and this might shock you, but they feel lonely or they feel alone many times. Why? Because they're encouraging everybody else, but they can't use their gift on themselves. Uh, many times, uh, they're busy encouraging everybody else, but they're not getting encouraged themselves. And for correctors, um, they get left out many times because people don't want to be around them because they're tired of being told where to go in Jesus' name, right? And so we kind of avoid those people sometimes. Um, exerter, exhorters many times can feel lonely because of their gifting. So here's my caution. For those of you who don't have this gift you have somebody that you know is an encourager, like they're always happy, and you're like, nobody can ever be this, much, this happy all the time, or nobody is this encouraging all the time, and so therefore you write them off and you think they're just fake. Can I just tell you, if you're that jaded person, please start practicing this discipline of encouragement because you need it more than they do. And stop discouraging them because we need them. We need their gift being used in the church. Never underestimate encouragers. They're faithful. They mean what they say. They're not fake, and they're not trying to draw attention to themselves. They're just exercising this spiritual gift in the spirit. They are genuine, spirit-empowered caretakers. That's what they are. Let them do it. Encourage it. Do you have this gift of exhortation? Do you have this gift of, of encouragement? We need you because you're the spiritual motivators within the body. Um, let's move on to faith. Faith is an interesting one because it's not only just a word gift. It's one of those crossovers. It's also got roots and power, so it's a root and power gift. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says it this way in verses 7 and 9. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Number, uh, verse 9, the same gift gives great faith to another. Now, as believers, we all know about faith, right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we all know, because we came to Christ through faith, what Ephesians 2 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed or when you had faith. And so we all know that it was through faith, by grace, that we're saved. And, but get me, that's not the spiritual gift of faith. That's the faith of salvation. Spiritual gift of faith is different. It's not this, um, I hope so. Or, um, you know, I, I have blind trust that something's going to happen. Or I'm just going to leap into the dark because I have this spiritual gift of faith. It's not that at all. Can I just summarize it for you real quick? Um, faith, the spiritual gift of faith is faith that is informed trust. It's informed trust. There's a background. There's a foundation to it. It's solid. It's not weak. It's not just out there on its own. It's not a hope. It's informed trust. It's all about the foundations that they have. It's all about the scriptures that they've learned and read. It's all about the promises of God. It's all about their journey with God, how God has proven to them that he is faithful, and they bring that in their spiritual gift of faith. Now, let me give you a definition. 
the gift of faith refers to the unusual capacity, the unusual capacity of a person to recognize in a given situation that God intends to do something and to trust God for it until he brings it to pass. And then this last week, I found another one that I, I really liked. It said, a spiritual given ability to see something that God wants done and to sustain unwavering confidence that God will do it regardless of seemingly insurmountable obstacles. That would make sense to me because the people that I've seen exercise this gift, they're standing against, against a tidal wave. Like they're the ones saying yes and everyone else is saying no and they hold firm. Why? Because of their faith. They have the spiritual gift of faith. And it's not naive. It's not naive. It's based in scripture. It's based on God's promises. And, and they are the lifeblood of the local church because they're the people that stand up and go, God can do anything. And they believe it and they know it. And not only that God can do anything, but they sometimes in the middle of a project or something that's going on, they're like, God is going to do this. They know what he's about to do and they have all the faith in the world. Now, some of our biblical examples are people like Abraham. If you know the story of Abraham and Isaac, uh, God tells Abraham to take his son Isaac onto the mountain and, and sacrifice him. And so early the next morning, it says they get up and they go. Like early the next morning, he had all this faith and so he just gets up and goes. Okay, if that's what you want. But somehow Abraham had faith that God was going to do something else because he takes slaves with him. And, and when they get to the bottom of the, of the hill and they get ready to, to go up the mountain, he says, look, here, I want you to stay here. And he says this. He says, I and the boy will go and worship and then we, we will come back to you. That's what he says. Faith. And, and then... Um, when they're going up the hill, the boy's starting to catch on a little bit. He's like, hey, we got the firewood, but we don't have, you know, the sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice at, right? And what does Abraham say? He says, God will provide. That's what he says. That's exactly what happens. Why? He has the spiritual gift of faith. Uh, another example would be Joshua and Caleb. They're the two spies out of the others that all go into the promised land, and they all come back, and they're like, oh, my gosh, they have fortified cities, and there's giants living there. We can't take the promised land. It's promised by God, but we can't take it. And it was... Joshua and Caleb that stood up and said, it doesn't matter what's in that land. It doesn't matter how high their walls all are and how tall the giants are. God promised us this land, and if he promised it to us, he will deliver it. And do you realize that they were the only two that actually got to see the promised land because of their faith? Um, and this is important because for a lot of us in this room, we don't have this gift, and we struggle and we would have been on the other side of that, right? We would have been, look, we, we've sent our spies in. We've seen how tall the walls are. We've seen the giants. And we've assessed the situation, consulted the experts. And we've uh, submitted our recommendation. And no thank you, we're just going to die in the desert, right? Um, those of you with the gift of faith, you are a blessing. Listen to me. You are a blessing to the rest of us who would doubt and who would rather just hunker down and die in the desert. We need you because you're the driving force behind what God wants to do in the local church. Now, some signs, if you think you have this gift, um, you might have the ability to accept God's promises at face value and to apply them in giving situations knowing that God's going to fulfill them. Like you have full confidence that he is going to take care of whatever it is. You might be looking around too and wondering why nobody else is with you. Like you're just like, I know God's going to do this. And yet you're looking around going, come on, guys. Like, what are you doing? That might be the spiritual gift of faith. Um, also, you can receive or hear a vision of something that God wants to do. And instead of going, I wonder how he's going to do it, you're like, he's going to do this. Like you just know in your heart because of your faith. Uh, many times in the middle of circumstances, you can have total confidence that God's going to do something, even if everyone around you is saying, I don't know how we're going to get this done. I don't know how it's ever going to happen. 
as you grow in your faith too, as you grow um, on this journey that you're on with God and he shows up and shows up and shows up, your faith just multiplies. Like you get stronger as you go because you see God intervene and meet all of your needs. It just emboldens you and, and makes you stronger. You have this hard attitude that God has already done it even before he's ever shown up. Like all, you're, you're thinking, everyone else is going, how is he going to do it? And you're thinking, all we got to do is just show up. God's going to do it. If that's you, you might have the spiritual gift of faith. Um, now, it might interest you that as a lead pastor here at Mountain View Fellowship, I do not have this gift. This is not my gift. God gave us a vision many, many years ago for Mountain View Fellowship, and we've been watching God unfold this all along, and pretty soon we're going to celebrate 17 years of this. But if I'm honest with you, I'll tell you, I'll spend evenings at my house many times pacing the floor. I don't know how he's going to do it. God, I, I don't know what you're doing. God, is this, did I hear you wrong? God, what are you doing? Like, how, how in the world can you give us this vision, Lord? I don't know how in the world it's going to work out. And my wife will sit there, and she has this gift, and she'll be like, finally step in and go, did God give you that vision? Yes. No, I mean, did God really give you that vision? I'll be like, yeah. And she's like, if he gave you the vision, he's going to do it. Now shut up. Go do the dishes, right? Um, she has tons of faith. No mercy, but she has tons of faith, all right? This is why it's important that these gifts are exercised in the community because these gifts work together. They support each other, and without you, we suffer. Did you hear me? We need every one of us involved in exercising our gifts. Now, the caution for those of you that, that have this gift of faith is this. Those who have the gift of faith are often highly irritated by criticism. Let me tell you why. Uh, because they can't understand why any good-loving Christian would ever criticize what they have complete assurance that God is going to do. Like when they stand up and go, God's going to do this, and people are like, I don't think so, I don't think so, I don't think so. That's criticism of them, but then they have a way of, of going, wait a minute, if that's criticism of me and I'm just resting on God's promises, that's actually criticism of God. And so they, they defer that over to God. So when they begin to interpret criticism as criticism of God, I think um, many times they can actually get impatient with those believers around them that aren't keeping up with them as it, as it relates to faith. Like those who are, are struggling to understand and those who are struggling to really believe, they can get frustrated with them in a hurry. They often have lots of courage too. That's the other problem is with all courage because, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? And so they have tons of courage and they step out there and they're going for it and they're having trouble getting people to go with them. So for those of you that don't have this gift, can I just say this? Don't be quick to dismiss those who are hearing from God because God does still speak to people and he does give them faith. For those of you that have this gift, here's what I would say. Stop taking every single question that you get as criticism of God. And understand, we just got to catch up with you, okay? Keep preaching. We'll get there. We'll get there. Do you have this gift? Because if you do, we need you, especially right now in a world that's so deceiving, a, a world that keeps pointing us away from God and, and inserting doubt. We need those of you that have courage in this childlike faith to be able to stand up and say, God will do this thing. We need you engaged. Now, let me wrap up with the... Um, gift of leadership. 
gift of leadership. Romans 12, 8 says it this way. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility what? Seriously. So if you have this gift in here, I want you to take it seriously. The gift of, of leadership, though, is interesting because many times they think gift of leadership is the gift of administration, like those two things go together. They don't. The reason I bring this up is because this is one of my gifts, is the gift of leadership, but I, I am so low on the gift of administration, it's unbelievable. It's why we have a pastoral assistant on staff here. She's the one that keeps us all in line and goes, oh yeah, you have this appointment, and you got to make sure you get this done. Why? Because we're the leadership, we got this vision, but we're not sure how it's going to get done. See, it's all about vision. It's not about implementation. Uh, let me give you a definition. The gift of leadership is to exercise influence over a group, to lead it toward a vision or goal, enabling the body of Christ to accomplish God's purpose for the group. Now, some of you are great leaders at school. Some of you hold positions in business or are your leaders at, at your corporation. You can manage large groups of people, but that is different than the spiritual gift, gift of leadership. The spiritual gift of leadership is when God gives a vision for his people and the direction on how to do something, the direction to go with a group of people. Now, some biblical examples would be like Moses and Noah and Joshua, just to name a few. There's quite a few in Scripture. Leaders are the ones that God tells to lead his people out of Egypt and into the wilderness, even though they don't know exactly where they're going. Uh, Leaders are the ones that God says, take my people to the promised land. Uh, they're, the, they're the ones that God says, look, um, I want you to build this thing. And those leaders can see the ark before it's ever built. The leaders are the ones that they're told to lead an army around city walls seven days and blow their trumpets. And they're not sure exactly what God's doing, but they're going to follow. They have the vision, but many times they have no idea how to get it done. See, many times they're given heaven-sent directions, but not the details on how it's going to work out. So if you have this gift, some of the signs that might show up in your life are that you've been able to to be given a vision from God for a group of people. Like you just have this vision. You just know, hey, this has got to be done. And you're leading in a certain direction. These certain people over here need to be ministered to. God wants to start a new ministry in this area. And you're just leading in that area. And you're grabbing other people. And you're selling them on the vision. And you're moving in that direction. Uh, Another Um, leadership quality I think that we see in this gift many times is that you're able to see the bigger picture you're able to build structures where ministry can happen uh, to make it effective now leadership isn't pastoring or shepherding Um, last week like I said when Tim popped his bobbleheads up there I don't know if you noticed but there wasn't a lot of pastoring and shepherding in there I think it was half of them I don't have those gifts Now, why do I bring that up? Because of this. Many times, based upon your role, there's expectations placed, right? Now, let me just say this. Um, Pastoring and shepherding are not some of my spiritual gifts. So does that mean that I get to check that off and go, I don't have to do those things? No. Let me just say it this way. And this will apply across the board to everything. Just because you don't have the gift of evangelism, does that mean you don't have to evangelize the world around you? No. No. It just means that some people have the gift. Uh, My wife and I bought a home about five years ago. We bought a lot and built a house on it, and and it's two and a half acres, and we moved into it. And we moved into it, me just being a moron, because we had lived 19 years on a little bitty city lot. All I had was a push mower. And so um, the grass had to get mowed, right? So I'm out with a push mower on two and a half acres. Anyone ever done that before? Yeah, okay, so several of us are morons. Um, 
I, I couldn't believe how long it was taking me. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fit. I can do this, right? And uh, that stupid little mower is taking forever. And pretty soon, my, my neighbor down the street must have just been laughing at me out there drinking his coffee. He finally pulled down there in a tractor and a big old bush hog. And he goes, hey, you want some help? And I'm like, yeah, of course I do. And, and he did in 15 minutes what it would have taken me five days to do, okay? So that's the difference in a discipline and a gift. Does that make more sense? So some people are just, they're just gifted in that area. They can do it so much quicker, better, more effective. It just comes natural to them. Some of us, it's just going to be a discipline. So for me, I have the gift of leadership, but I don't have the gift of pastoring and shepherding. That doesn't mean I don't do pastoring and shepherding. That just means I have to work harder at it. I have to make it a discipline. Are we clear on that? Everyone got that? Okay, great. Because this is going to apply to every one of us here. So if you have the gift of leadership, here's your caution this morning. Your relationship with God is critical. If you have the gift of leadership, it is critical. Remember, the scripture said, take it seriously. If you have this gift, take it seriously. Why? Because you need to be leaning into God. If you're going to lead clearly, you've got to be able to hear clearly. Do you have this gift? Because we, we desperately need you to engage with the body. We need more leaders here at Mountain View Fellowship. And one of the reasons why is because scripture says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We need those of you with vision. Are you seeking a closer relationship with Jesus? Because you can't lead out of something you don't have. So if you have the gift of leadership, you need to be leaning into Jesus even more. And I'll tell you why it's so critical. Because when leaders fall, it causes massive turmoil. You have to lean into Christ. Remember, it's character over gifts. Build your character, lean into your gifts. Don't forget about the character. Don't forget about the, the variety. Let's, let's keep practicing that. It's not about the gifts. The gifts flow out of that. But it takes us leaning into God and the Holy Spirit for these things to take place. So here's how we're going to wrap up today. I'm just going to ask those of you that think you have this gift, uh, would you please just come down to the front? I just want to pray over you. And I want to pray over you for a couple of reasons. First one is this that you would place the emphasis on God's character more than your gift, all right? Are you with me? We want to keep it in priority, right? We don't want to get carried away and just run off with our gifts. That's not what we're doing. We're keeping the, the character of God first. So I want to pray over you. And so if you have any one of these gifts, or you think you might, come down. Now, you might be thinking, well, I know I have that gift, so I'm not going to go up there. No, no, no. I want you down here, and I'll tell you why. Because this is not a me gift, this is a we gift. It's a gift that you're supposed to be exercising within the body of Christ. And so let's all stand, if you would. If you have uh, the gift of apostleship, if you have the gift of teaching, if you have the gift of encouragement, the gift of faith or leadership, or you think you might have one of those, would you just come down front? And I just want to pray over you. As we come down front, I just want to tell you guys I'm excited about this series because I believe that God is going to do something absolutely amazing. And can I just tell you, we're working toward October 2nd, our 17th year anniversary, where we're going to reveal to you some of what God is doing and where he's leading us. That's why this is so important, because we need everyone exercising their gifts. Awesome. Let me, let me just pray over all of you right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for these gifts, for what we see on the wall behind me here, the fact that you went to the cross. You died for the forgiveness of our sins. You rose again so that we could have a right relationship with you and be filled with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you also that 
not only are we filled with your Holy Spirit, but through your Spirit, you grant these gifts that um, you, you expect us to exercise within the body, to strengthen, to build up, to proclaim who you are, to reach a lost world, and to grow us up in you. God, we know that without these, we are suffering. And so today, I thank you for the people standing here that uh, have come forward. Lord, I pray first and foremost that they would lean into you, would they take, uh, that you would just meet with them on a very personal level. And Lord, I, I pray that they would seek you more this week than they ever have, that they would lean into you, they would, they would chase after your character, they would become more like you every day. And Lord, I also pray that you would affirm these gifts in them through this next week, would you do something miraculous? Would you uh, bring to mind things, uh, just affirmations that they do have these gifts? Or, Lord, the opposite of that, that we don't have. Uh, whatever it is, Lord, I, I just pray that you would affirm it so that we know, so that we know whether we should be exercising these gifts or not. And, Lord, I, I pray also that you would start to open up doors, give us opportunities to exercise them so that your name would be proclaimed above all other names. God, we just thank you for all these things. We pray all of this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said.